This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted pride of West London emergency podcast. Marinus Dykhausen, Brentford manager, ex-Brentford manager, and his assistant Roy Hendrickson have left the club as of immediate effect. Eight matches, or nine including the Oxford game in the Cup. Four months later, two wins, two draws, four losses. That's the eight games in his record as boss of Brentford. Apparently... It wasn't good enough. What wasn't good enough, we're not quite sure, but we're going to discuss this today. Brentford now have Lee Carsley, ex-Everton. He was in charge of the under-21s, and he takes over as a head coach job until the end of the season. A bombshell has well and truly rocked TW8 once again. The besotted house had had to assemble the war cabinet. That's myself, Billy Grant, and I've got with me Dave Lane, Nick Carsley, Matt Allard, and the Dutchman, Martin Holland, in the bunker here as we're going to discuss all things Dijkhausen, sackings, removals, new managers, old managers, and anything else we can think of in the next hour or so. Yes, we can talk about the latest shock to hit Griffin Park. How do we ever get to this stage? Brentford sacks its manager after only eight games in charge. We didn't think it would ever come to this. Evening, lads. How are you doing? Evening, Bill. Um, yep, yeah. Not too bad, thanks. Yeah, very good, thanks. Evening. You all sound a bit down there, actually. Normally we're all up and sparky, you've got a pint in your hand, and, you know, we're enjoying ourselves. But today, I mean, this has come as a bit of a shocker, hasn't it, Dave? Yeah, it has really. I mean, you know, um, it, I if I'm being honest with you, I, I wouldn't say I was really, really stunned by it, but I just, I honestly thought he would be given a lot more time, and I think he, I think he deserved more time. I think there's something, something, something about, something a bit panicky about what's been, what's gone on today. Um, something very unbrentford as well, I think. Um, you know, and I had a bit of an insight on Saturday when um, I went into the manager's um, office. I was invited in by um, Marinus and uh, and. Um, um, 
by Marison Roy Henderson right. um, to uh, to basically get them to sign up for Beside FC. They would play Sunday morning football for us, um, and uh, Dan Sue would have a chat with them uh, in a week, you know, the week before, and uh, they were like pretty potty for playing a bit of Sunday football. And because Beside FC are really crap, they thought they could <laughs> they could have a, they could come and have a kick around and have the, you know a non-pressured um, game of football. So you know we, we were going in there to do some sort of signing with them, and it was, it was going to be light-hearted, and they were going to sign. The contracts and what have you, and it was we could have a bit of a laugh. But obviously, the last few minutes of the match, um, we, we walked in and it was really gloomy. It was like I walked in, in onto a wake. I thought, you know, it was, Dan and I felt very, very awkward to be in there. Um, and to be fair to them, you know, they, they, they gave us a beer and they, uh, you know, they, they kind of uh, they, they, they did have a chat, but it was really awkward. And it was I, I felt we both walked out of there thinking. If, if, that, if we'd have been told there and then that actually, lads, we're not going to sign this, you know, cheers, sorry, but we're just in fact, we would have actually believed it. You know, it was almost as if they were resigned to it. And um, so Roy Hendrickson kept, you know, he, he kept saying, oh, yes, I know, I know we played well, but, you know, the points, we, you know, we dropped the points, just the points. And they seemed to be very, very um, wrapped up in, the, you know, the magnitude of, uh, you know, that last-minute goal. So I think they were under a lot of pressure. I think they knew they were under a lot of pressure. But I think I still think, you know, it's, uh, it's a bit premature, if I'm being honest with you. I mean, Nick, I mean, we've been discussing this quite a lot over various forms of social network and WhatsApp and stuff like that over the last, well, 12 hours, or not even 12 hours, actually. And, I mean, what's your thoughts on this, your, your first thoughts, when, when you heard this news this morning? My first thought was that um, what have the club done uh, now? Um, the PR behind it didn't seem to be uh, that good. Um, and I have to say, as the course of the day has developed, I'm still slightly at a loss to know why it is that he'd gone, um, or he and Roy had gone. I mean, yes, yeah, sure, they didn't have a uh, Dyson didn't have a good starting record, um, but uh, he it has to be said he was dealt a pretty bad hand, given the problems of being with the pitch um, and the problems we've had, or not the problems, but the number of player injuries um, that have taken place. I don't think the game, I don't think the result against Sheffield Wednesday was the final straw. This has obviously been brewing for a while. I mean, those people who read The Sun will have noticed there was a small paragraph last Friday um, saying that uh, Dijkhausen was in danger of being sacked, um, which we all poo-pooed at the time at the weekend. But it's now clear that there was something brewing. Um, I, what worries me, as I said, is that the club have not been totally clear as to why he's gone. I have to say I was pretty disappointed by the statement that Cliff Crown put out as chairman this afternoon. Um, look, we all will realise that there's confidentiality uh, goes on when contracts are settled, etc. Um, but I would argue that such a bland statement as came from Cliff Crown this afternoon just hurts um, the, the project, um, because all that it does is encourages media speculation, it encourages old pros, um, anybody who watched Sky Sports this morning, Sky Sports News this morning would have seen two, Tony Cotty and Tony Gale, who are dinosaurs and relics from an old age, but really sort of saying that rubbishing the whole, the whole system that Brentford are trying to adopt. Um, and so I, I, I worry that there is the, the, about the lack of clarity about why he's gone, and I look forward to people uh, in the club clearing that up in the next few days. 
Well, it's interesting you when you talk about the lack of clarity. I mean, a lot of fans have talked about this. They always want to know what's happening. And it seems like, you know, obviously you had a, a, a slightly similar but different situation with the previous manager and now, where it seems that Brentford seemed to rather take an approach where they would rather keep the information to themselves and uh, take a beating, basically. And, uh, and it seems like the club is just, you know, put his hand up and saying, you know, at the moment we've made a mistake and we'll take the flat on this one, um, as opposed to letting out any of the secrets that might be out there that another club like, you know, like, say, for example, the, the Peterborough manager, uh, the Peterborough um, chairman, Darren McAntony, he may go out and he might tell the whole world exactly what went down and who's been kicking off left, right and centre, but it seems like our club takes a different approach in situations like this, doesn't it, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think in any other... Um uh, life in, in the commercial world, um, you can probably understand why people will let secrets remain in-house, or not secrets, but, but reasons for departures remain in-house. But football is a very ruthless game. It's subject to intense media scrutiny. And if you allow something to be questioned and ridiculed, um, it's going to be pretty hard for the club and people surrounding the club to win back respect. Uh, or even acknowledgement of what's going on is something actually quite interesting and, and innovative in British football. Um, and that's what worries me as well. So our club's name's being dragged through the mud. Interesting. There's an article by Rasmus, Rasmus Ankerson, who's one of the directors of football, um, in June from one of the local papers. And uh, when, we, when we signed the manager, he says, um, we won't sack our manager if he has a bad run of results. This is put in press, and this is what the club thought. So the one thing we know about the club is that they have got some sort of ethos. I mean, they went out and, you know, we departed with one of our very good managers because of the ethos that we have. So we know that the ethos is almost like stronger than anything else. So this is an interesting phrase that he's come out with. He said, I'm not going to sack him bad run of results. So what else do you think has gone wrong, Matt? Well, I think that is quite that is quite an interesting article because you're going to take Rasmus for his words. Um, he, it, you see, that, that article was interpreted that um, by I think, um, or what he said was interpreted by the press that this meant that there wouldn't be any sudden shock sackings after a short period of time. But what it did say, but what it actually stated was there wouldn't be any sudden short sackings after a short number of games due to the results. Um, so I, you know, I agree with what Nick said. I don't think Saturday was the straw that broke the camel's um, back in terms of results. I think there's something deeper here. Um, I think that, to be honest, if you think about it, there's an international break. There's two games in the next four days and an international break. If you were actually looking, I think, to, um, you know, to, to, to set targets on how many points you have to have by a certain period and and whether it is results, um, you probably would have let this run until Saturday, I would have thought. Um, but it would appear that even if we'd have won Saturday against Sheffield Wednesday, the same decision would have made. That would have been made. That's my suspicion. Um, so there is, it, you know, I think, I'm sure it's far deeper than what is going on on the pitch, and, and, and even further than what is going on the pitch than the results. Far, far deeper than that. Well, again, it's interesting you say that because apparently if we had won against Sheffield Wednesday, or is it Sheffield Wednesday and Birmingham, but we would have had more points than at the same time last season. So it's almost like technically we probably are there or thereabouts where we are from last season if we won these next two matches, but maybe there's something else that's been going on in the background. Now, Martin the Dutchman, 
There was also an article in one of the local papers today. Local papers have been blanging out the stories as well. You know, we've just been sitting back, we put our tweets out, we put our little bit of news up, but we're sitting back and soaking it up and getting information from where we can and also just pontificating ourselves. But there was an interesting thing in the article which is said that the, the players didn't seem to be happy with the coaching techniques of Roy Hendrickson, who's um, the, the assistant that um, Dykehausen brought in. What do you make of that, Dutch? It's, it's clearly a factor. He certainly didn't seem to have the bond with the players, but you don't really know whether that's because he hasn't been there long enough to do it. I mean, the guys had eight games, or even if you include the Oxford game, he's had eight games of football that would count. And you know, he hasn't really had that time to bond with them. The training methods, as I think someone said earlier, you know, is he responsible for those training methods or is it Hendrickson? You know, which, which one's going to take responsibility for that? I don't know what those methods are. You know, I, I struggle to see how they seem that different from one to another. But clearly, if players are already coming out on day one and suggesting that you know, training wasn't what they wanted and looking forward to working with someone different, then you know, clearly there are some concerns there. But I think in terms of the statement, it's, it's all very good being honourable and you know, protecting someone's position and you know, looking after maybe in the public eye. But you can sometimes say too much by not saying anything and by not coming out and saying you know, it's because the results weren't good enough you're suggesting it's for other reasons anyway. And then once you start those inferences of what those reasons are, that's when most of the speculation starts. So like the rest of the crew, the statement, I'm afraid, from Cliff Ground didn't really quite cut it for me, and people will expect more information, um, yeah, even respecting the, the obvious confidentiality clauses that will be in place. Again, interesting, because us as fans, we go out there, we're trying to find the answers. So we look at this bit and we see about the training techniques that the, the players may not be happy with. That all of a sudden leads you to think about the, the matches themselves, the games that they were playing. You know, if they're not happy with the training, are they happy with what's happening on the pitch? You know, are they, you know, with, with the tactics, with the style of football? Um, from yeah. the games that, from what I saw, you know, we seem to sort of flip it up when we went behind quite a lot. So it's almost like we tried to play one particular type of game to start off with. Then we went behind, then all of a sudden we flipped it up and sometimes we'd come back, we'd give it a go, but it was only because we went behind. So do you think this might have been another another issue? I think so. I mean, it seems strange that Plan B works better than Plan A, because in most businesses that's where you should start with Plan B. So, you know, if something was a wrong, you know, something was a right, you have to continually change your tactics that much. Certainly letting in early goals doesn't help in terms of your strategy for each individual game. But were the players making those decisions themselves? Were they coming from the... You know, from the coach where they're coming from on high you know, those, those rumours are going to continue um, I guess you know, we've got an early chance to see whether a, a new person in charge will make a difference I mean obviously the fact that Lee Carl is coming in and he's, he's there for the season by all accounts I mean, as, as knee jerk as it is that's, that's actually probably more stability than most clubs will get over a season to know who your manager is for the, um, you know, the remaining months I'm going to throw this out to the, to the characters out there and you know, just, just call out if you want to speak in there. Um, because like I said, this has very, been a very quickly pulled together emergency podcast, so please bear with us, everybody. Yeah, there's a few noises here, there's a few things happening, but we're just trying to talk around this issue. We're just wondering, Mark Warburton, you know, don't, you know, we've moved on from that, but we're just wondering from Marianus Dykehauser, you talked about how he's been probably dealt a bit of a tough card here. Was he dealt, put in a situation where he had such big shoes to fill, it just made it impossible for him. I, I, I'd have to agree 100% with that. I, I think it, it was so bad that it doesn't matter who came in, it was almost like a thankless task. Um, 
I, I, I really think someone would have had to have come in and, and I've been on 100% record now for people not to be harking back to last year. Um, you know, and I, I've said it quite a few times, the last year was so amazing that it's probably going to be a bit of a millstone around our necks for the whole of this year. And it, it might do us all the world of good to just put last season in a, in a box, in a frame, stick it on the wall and just, just put a light on it and just say, like, that is an amazing year. Now, thanks a lot. That was brilliant memories. Now, let's get back to the real world. Um, and then, you know, let, let, let's, let's go again because we were so exceptional. And I think for the Mariners to come in, I think I think he was always always on a on a, on a slippery slope, to be honest with you. And if, if we're being really honest, I think I think he was slightly the wrong hat on the wrong head at the wrong time for him. I, I think I think he wasn't experienced enough. I'm not saying that only an Englishman can do this job. I'm just saying I don't think he had enough experience of, of this league and, and um, football in this country. And, and I think he was he had too much to learn on the job for, for it to be um, for it to be sort of like a healthy learning curve. I think he was, there was too much to take in. Um, so yeah, I think I think Warburton, you know, the legacy and, and, and you know he, he he needs he needs to be exercised. And, and the, the, only, the only person to do that maybe is um, well, you know, maybe Lee Carsley can can do that. He, he looks like a, he looks like an angry Mark Warburton. Um, but I, I think I think maybe maybe we do need a you know an English head coach or well, he's not, I know he's like coach for Ireland, but I think we need a, maybe a British British head coach to come in now and and and, and sort of you know take the baton on. Um, but I, I guess maybe this maybe the way we're set up now it means that we might we might get several head coaches come and go before we get it right. But the, the football philosophy and the, the 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 bigger picture that that goes that goes on. Um, so, which you know, which sort of does beg the question whether you know you could you could argue that it is the right thing to do to have a head coach who's, who's kind of almost dispensable. If it's not the right match for the team and the squad and the, and the philosophy, you get another one in. I, I don't want to see I don't want to see a turnover of staff. I, I think I think you've become a laughing stock, and I do I do think the British press and and the British football um, industry are, are queuing up to see Brentford fail. They don't want it to succeed, and, and I don't think that the, what's happened in the, you know today. Um, and this season has helped us at all. You know, we haven't we haven't got we didn't have a proper pitch to play on. Um, we sold all our best players. We've got you know got rid of you know remember people use the word sack still over Mark Warburton. We sacked Mark Warburton when he was doing a great job. There's people queuing up to see us fail, and, and today's not helped. Um, and I really think the club's PR is, 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 is you know, shocking still. We've, we've not learned from, you know, they, they, they were basically like lambasted and um, made, made to look stupid after Warburton. And they, they, didn't, they didn't come out and say anything other than, you know, the stat line, which is just, just fuel, poor petrol. On, on the fire of, of everyone else, and I'm, and I'm not saying everyone else is wrong, and I'm not saying what's right and what is wrong. I'm just saying the club haven't helped themselves in the past, and they certainly haven't helped themselves today. Um, we, we need to learn lessons. You know, it's like it's like on a football pitch. If you don't, if you don't keep fight, if you don't find out why you keep get, why you keep losing, why you keep, or why you're not winning, you're never going to turn it around. And you know, off the pitch, I think the club have really, really shot themselves in the foot. Whereas in my in my eyes today. We're a divided club. The, the, the fan base is divided. You've got half the pe- half the people previous to today were saying that he needs to, he needs to go. He's out of his depth, and now he's gone. 
I've got a feeling there's the same people saying he wasn't given enough, he wasn't given enough time. You know, there seems to be, there seems to be either one way or the other, there's people queuing up to kick the boot in it. And, and that, that environment, and that, that, that has been caused partially or mainly by the club itself. Yeah, yes, yes, um, you know, the Warburton thing is toxic. It, it probably always will be. Um, but the club have not helped itself. And I've said again, today... They haven't helped themselves either. Can I just pick up on a couple of points that, that Dave made there? Um, let's remember that by this stage of last season, Watford had three managers. Look at where they are today. Um, and I think they didn't But It pains me to say it, but championship football is different to the other leagues. Um, and while I don't think uh, a person's nationality should make any difference. What I do feel is unless you have experienced championship football, either as a player or a manager, um, or and Premier League football, then maybe you can't understand the pressures and the efforts that's needed to making sure that your team either retains its championship place or even gets promoted from it. Um, so, I mean, Lee Carsley was a very successful player for Everton, um, and, you know, they call that the school of silence, so maybe he'll fit in quite well with all the stats-based new world that's going on here at Brentford. Uh, but what I do think that it's important that um, people like uh, Rasmus Ackerson and Phil Giles um, are certain that they're taking advice and listening to people who have been there, done, been there, done that, and got the T-shirt from Championship Football because it is a quite unique environment. Um, and it worries me is if the club is saying we can ignore, we can ignore what's taken past totally, what's taken past in the championship, then we're in for a big fall. I think what's interesting for me, I mean, just looking at this situation, we've, we've gone back to, to Rasmus talking about not, you know, getting rid of a manager after you know, a, a few number of games, but this is what's happened. Um, and it seems to me, okay, I mean, we talk about, you know, Matt, Matt Benham's background. He's a gambler, okay? And the way that we've kind of been different from the rest is that we've taken gamble. So we gambled on, he, he's taken the gamble on Uwe Rosler. Everyone went, who the hell is he? And he came up, he came up trumps. He next took a gamble on Mark Warburton. Everyone said, why is he in there? He's never done anything. He came up trumps with that. He took another left field gamble on Marinus Dijkhausen. This time, the gamble, it didn't pay off. But I'd have to turn around and say, fair play, he's put his hand up. He's gone, actually, this hasn't worked. Um, he's identified it really quickly, obviously, and he's going on to the next phase. Now, you, you can't say fairer than that. I'm not saying it's the right thing or the wrong thing, whether or not you should have given him eight games or 12 games or 15 games or 400 games, because we don't know the background behind it. But what I'm saying is from a way about going about doing it, it's, it's, it's brutal. It's kind of like, you know, put me end up, we got it wrong. We got it, we'll take the flak, we got it wrong, let's move on. Next minute, the funny thing is that we got Carsley. I mean, it'll be funny, that's a damn gamble. We've got no idea, do we? We've never done anything. Well, not in anything, not, 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 a due, not no due respect to him, because he's got a lot of respect from the players, but he's got no championship background that everyone says that you, you should do, like they said to Warburton when he was on board. He's got no managerial background, he's got no this, that, the other. You've got no idea. I think you'll have a better idea of what to expect, though, Philly. I think the, you know, the comment on uh, Mariners on Saturday from me before the game, without knowing any of this, was that it just worried me how much this seemed to surprise him. 
you know, you see the Arabic court in headlights, surprised at the atmosphere, surprised at the pace, surprised at the intensity. You know, with, with Clarsey, you ain't going to get that. You know, you're going to get someone who knows what to expect. That doesn't mean he can deal with it, and it doesn't mean he's better equipped to be a manager or any of the other things that maybe Mariners would have picked up over time. But I'm kind of not quite sure how that slipped through the interview process that he, you know, as nice a guy as he was, he just seemed to be genuinely shocked but what was going on around him, you know, the players, the culture and all those bits. And, you know, I don't, you won't get that with Carsley. You'll certainly have a bit more free knowledge and pre-awareness. Yes. Can, I, 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 agree, I agree with exactly what you're saying, but can I just point out that we, with all these coaches and all this, all this expert staff that we've got in, do you not think Carsley would have piped up a little bit before now and warned him? You know, we've got, we've got all this experience already on the payroll. Simon Rice has been around the block. You know, we've, we've, got, we've got coaches on the staff that have been there, seen it, done it. And they've been there for a while. You know, we, this expertise should be on tap. You know, it yeah. shouldn't have. You know, well, okay, you know what I mean? Exactly. But maybe that's exactly what has happened, though. We don't know what's going on behind the scene. You don't know what the communication is or it isn't, you know. Um, Marinus has come here, he's got Roy, you know, they're doing their thing. You don't know, we don't know what, we've got no idea what else is going on. The communication may not be happening. Does it, I thought, I actually thought Carsley was, was part of the, the team that went with Marinus and part of the coaching team. I didn't realise that he still was part of the under 21s. It's like, there's all these things that I thought were happening that were not. So, like I said to you, there's obviously other things that are happening, emanating out there that, that we've got no idea of and we can make as many presumptions as we can. It's almost like we've got this perfect model, which is perfect model if everything worked perfectly. Of course, if your free kick coach is brilliant, then everything goes, you know, and he teaches the players to be brilliant. And if you've got your psychic person to be brilliant, and if you've got your, this coach in the corner, it'll be great. And Kevo kind of does his thing and can't, and they feed the, you know, the young players through and all stuff like that. But that hasn't happened. I mean, you've got, you've got to ask the question, you know, why did we only have six players on the bench up at Borough? I mean, that, that was a question that was asked quite a lot. Why, why do we have six players what? on the bench? We could have taken well, a couple of kids. What, and... what, what um, Mariner said when he was asked that was he actually said, interestingly, that the, none of the development squad deserved to be on the bench. Um, okay. Now, I... I, I you, you know, I'm one. You know, I do wonder if they, maybe Marinus and Roy were the outsiders in all of this. Mm. I, I, I think you, I think you've raised a very good point there, Matt, um, because I felt that Marin, looking back and on reflection, having been to the fans' forum, which last Thursday, which I have to say was a bit of a joke now, uh, looking back at it, is that Marinus, um, I think he was thinking very carefully about some of the answers that he gave. And he did seem slightly, slightly, uh, this is a, with the benefit of hindsight, did seem slightly from some of the stuff that the other people on the top table were saying. I don't know whether you got that impression, Matt, because you were there too. Um, I, 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 I can't say, I, I definitely didn't notice it. Um, I do remember that Marinus and Roy were standing together, and I don't particularly recall they were standing with anybody else from the club when we arrived there, Nick. That's that's right. Yeah, that's uh, good. Yeah, yeah. Was, were they not with? Yeah, they uh, were they not afterwards as well? Yeah. Were they not standing next to the clairvoyancy coach? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, to be fair, I don't know everyone at the club, so maybe they were standing with people from the club. But certainly no, not. but I, I, they I, I were, don't recall it being anyone from the head table or anything like that. But yeah, I mean, they said they 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 weren't, they weren't mixed with Cliff Crown or anybody who who was around there. But back to Billy's point about Matthew Benham, though. 
as anybody who gambles will know, is that really successful gamblers never chase their losses. And I guess what, um, and they act decisively when they start to lose. And I guess that's probably what, what Matthew has done. But I go back to this whole PR issue point. And I appreciate, I know why Matthew is not keen on coming out in public and saying stuff in public. But uh, if he could only write uh, something down on paper, publish it on the website, stick it in the club programme, about what he sees as his vision for the club. Because I think he tries to get other people to communicate this vision. And it would be really good to hear from the horse's mouth what it is that Matthew wants to achieve over the next two and a bit years with Brentford. He said he wants, he said this system, he'll give it three years, or he thinks this system will take three years to work um, rather than give it three years. Let's, Matthew, if you're listening to this, stick something down on a piece of paper and, and share with us what it is and the, the trials and tribulations that we as fans will have to go through to try and make a success of what I still believe is a project that is worthy of success. It's interesting also, there was, a, there was a, a, a story flying around in the local paper again today that um, said that Bidwell, as captain, wasn't chosen by Marinus. And uh, I, I'm not sure if it's actually in the paper itself, but there was rumours going around that it was actually chosen by Matthew Benham, um, which we know actually, which we've, we've come from a couple of sources, that that's actually not the truth. And it's actually been removed from the newspaper. So, again, in situations like that, you get loads of different stories flying around. But we, we've heard that that one is not actually necessarily the case. But, look, just coming well, back Billy, to Billy, this... Billy, sorry, just to interrupt. I mean, there's also the story floating around, you know, on the Internet that, that Matthew Benham was unha very unhappy when Kirschbarmer was withdrawn um, from the game on Saturday. Well, you know... Yeah, um, those of us who are at the game will understand probably why Kirsch Barmer was withdrawn and you know and actually I think we went on record as saying that was the right decision to do um, because he you know he was struggling on Saturday and indeed has struggled since he's come into the team but yeah. again it's those type of things you've got to clear up those rumours because they'll say again credence that, about you know the owner picking and choosing the team let's go through this okay because this situation, we, we want to know how did this come about. In April, Marinus Dijkhausen has an interview at Brentford along with a whole raft of other people. Okay, he gets through the process, they thought he was very good, he goes away, does his research, comes back, flow charts, all sorts of stuff with his agent, goes through the interview process with another four people and he gets the job. They've done the research, they've done the due diligence, they've done everything they've had to do, they've taken the references, you know. He decided to bring his mate Roy along with him, so they said, brilliant, bring Roy along with you. And then four months later, they're out of a job. Now, this isn't the type of thing that a team like Brentford does. This must have been something that's, that's, that's happened that, that's not quite right. And let's, let's just go through what these things might have been. The club's turned around and maybe they've just said, all right, tactically, he just, it's not right for us. He, he thought he'd do something else and tactically it's not right. What do you think about that? Well, um, having been to Middlesbrough with you and been to Leeds, it, it seemed like we were making progress, if I'm honest with you. And then we've, we've, um, we've scraped a win against Preston 
Um, and we looked okay in the second half. You know, I, I think we all expected a little bit more from Saturday, if I'm honest. I think we, we, you know, we were hoping to build upon Preston's win rather than getting a point or whatever. But, you know, the, the, the circumstances of sending off and what have you, it kind of, you know, I think he's been, you know, I think we've been, we've been unlucky. And I think you make your own luck sometimes, but I think we have been, we have been unlucky with injuries and whatever. Um, I don't know. I just think, yeah, I think there probably is more to this. Um, you know, I think, I think, I think, I think, if we're all really honest, maybe there is a, maybe there is a, a kind of sense of he wasn't quite the right person, um, and they, and they have, they, they, they did, they did fluff. You know, they did pick the wrong man, um, and that's not any, that's not to say anything negative against Mariners because. I've met him a few times, and he was always a genuinely honest and lovely bloke. But that that aside, it doesn't make him, you know, the perfect Mark Warburton successor. So, um, yeah, I, I, I just get, I just get, I had a feeling that it, it, it wasn't quite the right man. Um, but you know, it, it does go back to the point. I think we've all said it. Um, it's, it's almost like hunting. Hunt, it's almost like we're all shooting, shooting at ducks flying over, and, and those ducks are, you know, the, the club officials because they've not come out and they've not, they've not issued a statement that's going to satisfy many people. So, okay. Um, okay. So interesting. You're like, so you're going to. You, I mean, you said we talked about the tactics, which you think, look, actually, to be honest, you, he was he was astute. He knew what he was doing, but maybe he wasn't the right man. So that leads to uh, a the person that he is, the culture. Um, so Dutch, yeah. the culture. What, what are you saying there yeah. about? Did that not quite work? You know, the translation from Dutch culture to the British culture. Uh, yeah, I've just been the Dutch one. I haven't got any insights on the Dutch one. <laughs> uh, way of working <laughs> as much as I like. There's lots of headlines today about me being given the boot, um, which worries me greatly. But I think that culture thing is, is difficult. Just, just finishing off that point about: Do you really sack a manager after eight games with a horrendous injury list of? You know, potentially six, seven, eight first teamers on that list, and the whole pitch issues and stuff. You know, that would be one of the quickest firings in history, based on results only, wouldn't it? I mean, it really would. So there has to be all these other reasons. So is it a culture thing? You'd like to hope that the interview process would have found some of that out. You know, they must have done the research. They must have spoken to previous employers, as you would. So some something fits on it, and you just think that something is not quite clicked somewhere. You know, base point about. Should the other people have spoken up? Yeah, well, perhaps they have. You know, you're going through the list of reasons as to why it's happened when it's happened. You know, perhaps there is that groundswell from others with more experience within the, the club that it isn't quite working. You know, is it a culture thing? I think same with the others. I don't, I don't think you have to have an English manager or a British manager or the culture, but there is clearly a different culture in English football. You know, you, you hear about it all the time. We've heard the stories about players who are no longer with us and one or two are still are, but they've got a, perhaps a to be diplomatic and old-fashioned lifestyle culture compared perhaps with the, the European way of doing things. Um, so there's going to be a clash there. But, but I'm going to come back to this culture thing because we're talking about a British manager, a foreign manager. We had a German manager, you know, one before last, which is Uwe Rosler, who was German, but he, he fitted in and he, 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 he did the right things. As far as we're concerned, we didn't have this situation as we say so is there a difference sorry, sorry. Between look look don't, let, don't let's get hung up about you know nationalities yeah. the point is is that it's getting hung up about people who have experience in english football particularly at premiership and levels i mean uve was at manchester city a big club he knew the pressures and he knew the um what what 
he was expected to deliver and how and how he would need to deliver it. You could have a manager who's played in Togo um, and is or for the Togo national team um, who has been in a Premiership star as well would know the same pressures. It doesn't matter where you come from. It's are you are you educated or do you understand what it is that is needed to succeed in English football? It's not a nationality issue, it's, a, it's, a, it's an experience issue. Which is a good thing anyone's saying is anything other than that though, Nick. I don't think anyone's, I haven't read anyone or heard anyone say anything about it being you know, a nationality thing or such. It's about the, you know, the seeming lack of understanding of the, the English game. I mean, there's plenty of highly successful foreign managers all over the, you know, most of the top end of the leagues. So I, I don't Nobody, think that's the issue no, at all. I, Nobody, there has been some feeling is that you have to have a British manager. What I'm arguing is that you don't need a British manager, you just need somebody who has experience of British yeah, football. I think that Ross, Ross would presumably, um, back in the structure as he was in those days, perhaps had more say over you know, signings, appointment of captains. You know, the model has changed and moved on as well, so the current incumbent, be it Marinus or Carsley or you know, the, the next one down the line, He's working certainly within a different structure than what Uwe was at the time, and obviously Warburton up to the departure, and that being the reason for his departure. Rumours are relieved. Do you, do, do you think maybe it could have been a situation where, um, you know, we laughed last week when we asked the question, what did Marinus expect, you know, what has he learned from his first, <laughs> first few months in the UK? And we had a right good laugh about that, saying, you know, the interview process was completely different to what he got at the end. but. To be honest with you, is, you know, do you think he's actually sitting there saying, hold on a second, I've just been sacked, but I've been dealt a bit of a bad card here because I haven't actually really got what I came in for and what I was told to get, and now I've been sacked because of it. Do you think it's as drastic as that, or do you think there's a little bit of middle ground in the middle there where maybe on his side there were certain things and on Brentford's side there were certain things as well? It's probably somewhere in the middle, but I, I, I do feel he's been properly stabbed in the back by a lot of people. I think there's a lot of people that are connive about him, not, not for it not to work. Some, some of the players, some of the other coaches. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm still not going to say that he wasn't the wrong person in the wrong job at the wrong time. I, 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 my, my, my spider senses are that it, it was always doomed to fail. And I wrote that in the report today and not decided. You know, I thought it was always going to be against him, but I, I do feel that there was, he wasn't allowed to succeed by certain people in the camp. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out now. I think, you know, Lee Carsley, you know, obviously we all wish him luck. Um, he's, got, he's got a succession of games coming up now against teams he used to play for. So, um, you know, he stands a good chance of like, being properly up for it. And, you know, who's to say that he's not going to emerge out of this as the next Warps? You know, it, it, we've seen this happen before and stranger things have happened. And I'd be interested to know, you know, was he, did he talk about going for the job back in, back in the summer? Or, you know, was it, what his relationship is with the powers that be or whether he's completely overlooked? Or, you know, we'll find out now how, how he is respected. I mean, but, he all, but again, he knows now that um, you know he needs to uh, say the right things, play the right way, um, and get on with the players and make sure he, he, he's up against it too. So um, you know, um, Marinus is given nine games. Um, he might be given a little bit longer, but if it's not right, they've shown now that they're not shy to you know, get the LP45 out. And I, and I still think that you know then the club aren't as ruthless as this in every area of the club. 
Mm. You know, they seem to be particular. You know, there's, there's people that seem to be, you know, get away with get away with, uh, you know, not bringing the club into disrepute. Uh, you know, Pitchgate's never been properly, evaluated. you know, that's that's never come out. Um, you know, and whoever was responsible for that, or whoever mismanaged that, or whoever didn't make the right decisions, they're still in their jobs. So, you know, maybe Mariners should 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 feel a little bit hard done by. You know, it's, it's, pro- it's actually properly ruthless. Um, and they don't show the same same sort of uh, ruthlessness in, in every area of the uh, of the area of the club. Dave, Dave, are you are you suggesting there was some sort of internal coup? No, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not being that conspiracy theorist at all. But I, but I'm I'm just saying that I I don't personally think that. You know, I think there's a lot of players that you know probably you know used the language and you know used the fact that things are sort of different and didn't didn't give it a chance. Um, you know, equally, you know, that we're we're often accused of not giving players an, you know, enough chance to, to show that they're, you know, like Kirschbaumer, for example. You know, we're, we're a lot of us are happy to sort of let him play a dozen games before we find out how good he is, and others want to make a snap snap decision. I mean, if we if we make that snap decision, we're told that we're impatient and we're unrealistic. You just have to give people enough time to prove themselves one way or the other. And I think the international break probably was a, you know, a natural, natural pause. Or um, you could argue the QPR game was, the, was, was probably the one. If you couldn't, if you couldn't raise the, the, the troops to, to turn out and do, you know, do, do QPR, then um, maybe that was the time to get rid of him. But it's, it's a bit odd, you know. We've got a, a game, game tomorrow night, um, and, and then obviously Derby away on Saturday. You would have thought that we would have got through those two fixtures. I think, as I think Matt said earlier, and I think that would have that that may have been that may have been enough time. And I, I don't think I don't think today, this morning, or after Sheffield Wednesday was was the right time. Following on from that, do you think he could? Do you, does he come across as quite a laid back kind of guy? Apart from when he gets angry. Um, I, he, wonder, he, I wonder. I wonder how well he was able to communicate his ideas. Um, and again, I think you know it could be 50-50 fault on both sides. Was he able to communicate what he wanted to see happen well enough? And were people, the players, were they um, uh, perceptive enough to pick on, pick up on what he wanted and what he was trying to do? Um, and also, there was also a third factor in this: is was it, was he able to communicate the ideas to the players? that people above him in the club wanted to see happen as well. I mean, that is, that is, those are very good questions as well. And, you know, talking about, it's interesting, we talked about the podcast last week and it was also mentioned at the fans' forum last Thursday when the question was brought up, I think it's by you could self, Nick, about him waving and waving to the crowd and acknowledging. And at the same time as well, there's been a lot of say about him being sort of quite not animated in the, in, in, in the box by the side as well. Now... These things sound we laugh because these are petty, but the fact is that we don't play football, so how important or not important are these things, you know? And, and how does it affect the team and everything else around you? I, I don't know. I, I, I would be... I, I, I'll tell you what would be fascinating would be to see some of his half-time talks, because my recollection is we generally played better in the second half than we did in the first half. Um, and, and what drove those, you know... Those, those talks. I mean, you know, what was said at half-time, how that was said compared to before the game, because I, I, I remember us coming out the second half looking like we wanted to get out there and, and um, you know, and play from the minute the whistle blew, but I don't particularly remember us doing it in the first half. Yeah, 
There, I mean, there is one other issue as well, which was brought up in last week's podcast, and we think it probably was the deciding factor as well, and it was uh, his tracksuit bottoms were too short, according to, to Nick as well. So, uh, we no, we I, think that's, I think that's justified then, really. I mean, but you, you need, yeah, I mean, not being funny, but if Cliff Crown had just come out and said today, look, you know, we're a laughing stock, you can't, you can't be showing your ankles off um, and wearing the tracksuit, then I think everyone would have been on, on fully on side with the club. I shall be I shall be bringing my I shall be bringing my binoculars to the game tomorrow so that I can closely examine Lee Carr's. Oh well, mate, we're, we're gonna we're gonna pick every week we're gonna closely scrutinise what you're wearing from now on. <laughs> so listen, oh, I'm not I'm not the manager of a football club. No, no, not at all. I tell you, no. Nick, Nick, Nick. Just also going back to the um, um, going back to the forum. I thought it's quite interesting. He was sort of wearing jeans and. Um, I, I don't remember Mark Warburton turning up to form in jeans. It's pretty, I mean, I, last week, my comments about his, his tracksuit trousers had been blown out of all proportion. It was a humorous, <laughs> com- it was a humorous comment. It, it was no reflection on the man. I, 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 have, I couldn't give a stuff how somebody dresses or what they wear. It's just how good they are at doing their job. And sadly for, for Marinus, who I think it comes across as a very decent, well-rounded individual. Obviously, he was a square peg in a round hole at Brentford, and I'm sorry yeah. it hasn't worked out for him. And you, you, I, can I, I, I wish him all the best. You say that, yeah. Nick, but in 20 years' time, when someone says Marinus Dijkhausen, you, I know exactly what you're going to say. You're going to say, tracksuit bottoms and didn't wave. That's how I'll remember it. That's, that's mm-hmm. how I'll remember him. When you know, as a manager, in the same way that I remember Warburton in wearing a suit and tracksuit, depending on who our, the style of our opponent was, I remember Marinus for uh, wearing his tracksuit bottom trousers too short. I mean, I I, I have to say, joking aside and everything about Marinus, is that I I'm I am gutted for him because because you don't in these situations, and I've always got this issue as well with. Um, you know, these short appointments is that, you know, ultimately managers don't recruit themselves, they're recruited by somebody else. And um, and I'm not really sure Marinus, you know, from what we could see on the pitch, did anything that you wouldn't particularly have expected him to have done. Um, in, you know, in terms of results, just having eight games, uh, maybe off the pitch stuff. But I do, I do feel for him. Um, I think probably at least he hadn't moved his family over here, etc., etc. Um, so hopefully it'll be a very easy transition back. Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think we have that, to say that, about that, that, him being back with his family. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, I'm gutted for him. I, I, I think because he did seem like a decent guy, and um, and you know, I, 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 I wish him all the best, and I hope, and and also we took him away probably from a job that he that he loved, you know, because he really seemed to have a, you know, a, a sort of place there, and they absolutely adored him, and. Um, and I hope you know something works out for him very quickly. Which is true. And coming back to the again, you know, coming back to our very first uh, drink, we went out for a drink with uh, Marinus Dykehouse, and pretty much on his first day of his job, he was very kind enough to to meet us. Went out for a drink. We took him down the river. Nice bloke, really grounded bloke. He was like a, he was like a country person from from Holland. So he wasn't from the city. You know, he liked the simple things. Like you know, he didn't like the bling. There's a lot of bling going around. He wanted people to be sort of level-headed, level-minded. And I think that. 
I'm not saying this is the reason why, but I think it was a bit of a culture shock him coming over here, you know, seeing the big cars, seeing the big places, the amount of money that's, you know, he talked a lot about the amount of money being spent in English football. It blew his mind, you know, what was going on, because he realised that maybe a lot of things were out of his control. And I, I was thinking about this sort of quite a lot over the last sort of month or so. The interesting thing is that Brentford bought Dijkhausen in because he did a very good job with very limited budget in Holland. So he had a budget of about 1 million euros to run the whole club, and he did it brilliantly. So he was in charge of, like, you know, picking the players and paying off his status per people and all this kind of stuff, which he did, which is, which is great. Now, the interesting thing about Brentford is that Brentford bought him in, but he kind of didn't, he didn't have that limited budget because it wasn't his budget at all. You know, somebody else kind of got the players, he was involved in, you know, putting ideas forward and, and putting, you know, what he, what he needed, but he could have had a, a you know, a, a budget of 10 million or 15 or 20 million. It, it, it wasn't that that was needed from him. What was needed from him was the tactics, the man management and all these other things as well. So it's kind of like, it was almost irrelevant the fact that he guided Excelsior to wherever they did on a small budget because... That wasn't what was needed at Brentford. We needed just somebody who was able to kind of manage a team and do the right thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense, Bill. Yeah, I'd, 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 you, you, you know, you know, they, they weren't like alike roles. Um, I think you're right. You know, I think if he was at AFC Wimbledon, um, it, it may have been, you know, a, a more of a, um, an equal sort of correlation to where he'd come from. I, I think, you know, Brentford was, wasn't the same beast as, as Excelsior at, at all. Um, so you know, I think I think there's maybe a bit of a lack of honesty all round, really. I, I think maybe the, maybe he, he he thought he was ready for a job he wasn't quite ready for too. Um, you know, which I which I don't blame him for. You know, we've always we always think you know we've always thought about you know dreaming about getting into uh, you know different areas and you know things working out and you know going for jobs that are slightly above us, hoping they work out and you know proving you proving you are up to it. But yeah, that. The, the, the two roles aren't. They're not like for like. There was, there's too, there was too much difference, you know. Uh, I, and I agree with, um, you know, what Matt just said. I feel really sorry for him um, on a personal level. I know he was a deeply caring, loving family man, and his wife works in a hospital, and his, his kids are still at school. And you know, I, I, I think um, he, he put himself out to be here in, in terms of sort of, you know, you know, change, changing his lifestyle. Um, and I'm just, a, it's a shame it hasn't worked. Out over, over sort of a longer period, really. It is, and, and, and I, I echo those thoughts. Like I said to you, lovely bloke. He, he was a really, really nice bloke, and he took us, you know, he, he opened his arms to us and, he, and he, he took us in as such. And, you know, I, I sort, of, sort of speak to him not every week, but just send him a little text that says, you know, well done and stuff like that. And he always comes back, he's always got time. So, you know, you've got to have respect for people who have got respect for other people. And yes, it was hard for him. He even said, you know, being away from his family was really hard. But he said, but I'm going to use this time to spend lots and lots of hours just doing my job just researching and doing what I need to do and that's that's what he said that's what he said he had to do and you know maybe it was something that he tried and it, and, and it just wasn't quite right or it wasn't quite right for Brentford and him at this particular time and we just you know the good thing about it is that for Brentford we realised that early and we've obviously moved on so guys listen We've talked about this situation. What we're going to do is that I think we're going to have another podcast probably straight after the Birmingham match because what we'll be able to see is that we'll have a little bit more time to think. We'll have a few more voices. And also what we'll do is we'll have one match where Lee Carsley will have taken on his own club 
Birmingham City. So that'll be quite an interesting talking point. Uh, firstly, I think Ryan Woods is going to be playing tomorrow, which will be interesting. And Will Canos start as well, because that's like the, the Brentford of old of last season. And if that is, you know, that could excite a lot of fans. But for you guys, I just want to go around the table and say to you, the future... What does the future hold? And the future means, like, you know, within the next few weeks or maybe the next few months now, we've got a new coach, we've got a new assistant coach, and we've got Brentford saying, we made a mistake, let's just tear that up and let's just go on and, uh, and start again. Matt, let me come to you. Um, I, well, first thing, I don't think Brentford have said that yet. Um, and I think it would be, you know, I don't think it would be the worst thing to, to say something along those lines and be a bit more clear about it. Um, so... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, we obviously got the recruitment wrong last time round, um, and I'm hoping we've got the recruitment right this time round. To be honest, if we haven't, you know, um, they've had a long time with Lee Carsley and a long time to see, you know, what he's capable of and, and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, if they get this one wrong, then, um, then, then they seriously need to look at, you know, how they're, how they're doing their recruitment process. It seems a very quick fix. I'm sure it was going on in the background before, um, you know, it wasn't decided at 9 o'clock this morning, clearly, that Lee Carsley was the man for the job. Um, but obviously, you know, as a Brentford supporter, I wish him all the best. And uh, Lee Carsley is very highly respected in the coaching circles and also very highly respected by the players, um, which, which, which is a big thing. You know, within football, that's one of the things to actually get the players going. So that, that's the vibe. So, you know, if anything, that, that's a good start. We've got a game tomorrow against his old club, Birmingham. Let's hope that he actually realises what side of the fence he Of course he will do, because he's managing Brentford tomorrow. So that's a good thing as well. So, Nick, what are your thoughts on the future? Uh, I'm pretty much the same as Matt. Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I just... Let's have a bit more openness from the club about what, what happened. Let's have a bit more openness about the way that they see going forward. Um, even, you know, dare I say it, might they even tell us what the target is for this year? Um, let's see. Anyway, um, good luck to everybody, including good luck to Marinus um, and Roy as they move on elsewhere. Dave? Um, future. Um, I don't think Lee Carsley can lose, actually, is my, my prediction. I think, um, I think he's going to pick the team that, that a lot of people um, are sort of uh, suggesting he should. And I think, yeah, Woods will start, and, and I think Canos should start. Um, I think, you know, we, we, we talked the last couple of weeks about being really brave and going for it, and, and I think he, he will. Um, and I, I think he'll really profit from it. Um, he's got an amazing opportunity now that's landing in his lap where he can make this job his own long term. Um, he's got all the ingredients, he's got a pedigree. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's a lucky chappy, I think. If he, if, he can, if he can motivate the team, he can get them playing the football that he said he's going to try in his statement today. Um, and he gets results and he gets the luck. Um, which which Marinus didn't get, and he gets the, the players coming back from injury. Then there's absolutely no reason why he can't he can't get our season not only back on track but work up a proper head of steam. So um, I'm not saying he's Jarzy, but he's he's he's, he's a lucky boy, and um, I don't think he can lose if he's clever. And I think he is clever, and I think he is shrewd, and I wish him all the luck in the world. Dutchman, and your thoughts on the future? I think the future remains right, Billy. I think the, you know, the guys have a bad run of luck. Sometimes that happens in life. Carsley, they said, has come in. He's got an absolutely 
haven't made opportunity to take this forward. I think we're a good team. I think we've got a good structure. Whether the project is a, you know, it's an interesting one, and it, I'm sure it's going to have its ups and downs along the way. But he's fallen into a job where he's inherited a good team. He's got some players coming back. If he can get a result tomorrow and even something up at Derby and then get the international break, there's a few players back after that one. Or certainly back in contention. He's got a strong squad, you know, we had a good we've strengthened it in many, many areas. We just haven't seen some of those players yet, particularly in the midfield and the creative side. I think you're right, there'll be a little change, just as there was when Warbs took over. You know, a little change of emphasis, a little change of personnel to make things his own. I think you're right, the staff tomorrow, the Ginger Perlo will play, I'm sure, and possibly Canos as well. Um, very excited. Echo all the sentiments. Good luck to Marinus, good luck to Carsley. But mostly to come on your beef. And from my point of view, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm not a gambling person at all, but you look at how the gambler works. Gambler one worked, gambler two worked, gambler three didn't quite work. They were all very, very highly researched gambles. We're on the highly researched gamble number four again. At the end of the day, it's, it's going to go one way or the other, but probably the odds are because it's been highly researched and, and the gambler's in and taking that gamble, it's more likely to work than it isn't to work. So, you know, I've got to go with the positive because also I'm a positive B and because he knows the team, he's worked with them. He also, what is very exciting, is he obviously knows the youth team players. And we're a bit kind of like, oh, why haven't these youth team, I've talked about it before, why haven't these youth team players come through? Why weren't they on the bench at Borough? Why weren't they there? And I think that maybe Carsley will see some of these youth team players come through. Holbeck is one of the players who, who everyone's been raving about, but he's not been anywhere near the first team. But all of a sudden we might see these players start coming through, which will give us a slightly different angle. Again, almost like signing new players, new excited players. So for me, that's exciting, because that's all we want to see. All we want to do is see Brentford play Good football. Last season, we were saying we were happy for them to play good football, even if they lost. It's really bad if you just don't see them play good football and, and, and you're losing as well. But wasn't saying that happened under Mariners, but now we want to see down the wings that exciting play. We were unlucky to have lost Hotter, yeah, but we've got somebody else that could do that. And if we could do that now and Slardy brings that in, gets a man in the middle that plays the ball about, we'll all be happy again and probably everyone will start getting off each other's backs. So anyway, this is the besotted Pride of West London emergency podcast. We've talked a lot about Mariners Dyke Place and talked a little bit about Roy, his, uh, his right-hand man as well, you know, which, you know, he's an unknown factor there, but we've talked a lot about that uh, today and I'm sure a lot will be spoken again tomorrow or if you listen to this on the Tuesday night against the Birmingham game, there'll be lots and lots of talk at the pubs and in the clubs about what's happened there. I know a lot of people are very unhappy. They're a little bit embarrassed about what Brentford have done by taking a manager in and second after eight games. That's not what we do. But it's done now. We need to move on because we need to actually start getting some results under our belt. We're going to play a lot of luck to Lee Carsley and his team. Hopefully he's had them motivated. He had a training session today and fingers crossed that went very well. We've got a game against Birmingham tomorrow. We need to do them good and proper and that will actually get everyone back on a positive vibe. But at the end of the day, We've put another chapter behind us. A new chapter has started. Check us back on probably Wednesday or Thursday. We will have another episode of the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. You can subscribe and all the things, besotted.co.uk and audio boom and stuff like that. But all I'm going to say for you now is the shame. Mariners Dykehausen, good luck in your next venture. But come on, Brentford. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.